Yeah. Okay. Right up. All this money, money, money coming to me. No handouts, I really had to do it for me. Watch me work. Watch me work. Watch me work. Get out the dirt. Welcome to episode two of the Beauty of Business podcast. Today, our guest is an author, photographer, blogger, and a real watch nerd. Lovely to have you, uh, Christian. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, what got you started in watches? Uh, National Geographic. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I would bury myself in the very large collection of uh, National Geographic that my father had on his shelves. Uh, my granddad also had a, a huge collection. But uh, during the 70s, um, the adverts on the first pages of the National Geographic traffic was uh, full of watches. And I realized that even though I, I couldn't read, I could still see the pictures inside. Uh, the mountaineers, the divers, uh, the explorers of the world, they would wear a wristwatch. And very often was a Rolex. So to me, the wristwatch became a hero product, if you like. So, you know, the heroes inside of the magazines would wear a Typically, uh, a Rolex like, like I'm wearing today, the Explorer 1655, uh, also known as the Fet Uh So that's how I fell in love with the watches. It became a hero product when I was a kid. So it's a really cool story. And uh, uh, what was your first purchase back then? Uh, a fake uh, Cartier tank must, black dial. And uh, you just told me you picked up a real one yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday I bought the, uh, you know, it came out pretty late because the, the must was uh, reintroduced in 21 with a uh, green and a burgundy and a blue dial. Yeah. And then uh, the year after they introduced 50 pieces for the Geneva boutique with a uh, pitch black dial, we told them pitch black. And uh, yesterday I, I, I actually bought it uh, because a few years ago I bought the tank American in a white boat. I just bring it over and watch. I put it on a, a NATO strap. It just looks really cool. So I just bought the tank uh, last night. I, I still have it on the black croc. I haven't even yeah. had it around my wrist. I just knew that I wanted that watch. But now the next hunt after getting the watch, the right strap. So I'm uh, ready to, to check out the straps, you know, how that goes. Um. You've been freelancing kind of before it was cool, um, since 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, my first book a... came out in 2002. My first book of watches uh, yeah. came out in 2002. So I've, I've been into watches since, as we just discussed, since I was a kid. Um, and I've been collecting since I think I was around 22, 23. And now I'm 53. So it's about 30 years of collecting. I bet the collection is, uh, is pretty wild. I don't know if it's wild, but uh, it's full of great pieces. Definitely. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, you started uh, freelancing in 2006, uh, writing for, for different magazines and, and blogs. Um, yeah, um, I, had a, I had a small uh, advertising agency and... Uh, we sold it to a larger chain uh, back in 2005, and I, I, I didn't quite know what to do. Um, but I was kind of tired of the advertising business, so I wanted to do something completely different. And since 
my big passion for watches was there. And I came up with the first book in 2002. I, I, I took that route and um, nobody seemed to be writing about watches back then. So I started to write for some mostly foreign magazines back when print was still a thing. Uh, cool. And then started cool. to, to write for, um, for blogs, as you say, I never really knew what a blog was. <laughs> I just thought it was a website where I would write articles. I didn't know it was called a blog, but uh, they have it. They call me a blogger. I'm probably the oldest blog watching <laughs> this. <laughs> well, all the bios on, on different interviews and stuff you've done, it says blogger at every second article somewhere. So yeah, yeah, probably it's probably right. Well, you know, the more, the more times it's been written online, it's true. Yeah, yeah. It is, right? <laughs> Um, so the thought process was just, uh, you're kind of tired of the advertising industry and then you wanted to follow your, your passion. Yeah, that was it. That was it. I, I started as I, as I just discussed, I started collecting when I was 23. When I say collecting, then it, because I, I had more than three watch. Uh, and back, back then, that was new. That was a, that was a brand new thing. And I think in 1921, I bought. Of 1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1921-1
we weren't really considering that subject. It was like, then why don't you tell me what you would like me to write for you? So if you don't have an editor, you can write whatever. But the editor is here because she has to know the reader's needs. And I think back in the 90s when I started writing about watches, I did it because of a passion. But back then when you had uh, paper news, if you like, newspapers, proper newspapers, uh, you, 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 you didn't know as easily as a questionnaire, online questionnaire today, you didn't know exactly what the readers wanted. And back in the 90s, there, there wasn't a huge interest in horology timepieces. Auctions weren't crazy on watches. It, it was like a, it was a geeky uh, interest. But I think the, the, the mechanical aspects of, uh, of, a watch, of a wristwatch still had a certain interest from the readers. So and the more and more magazines, glossy magazines started writing for, they wanted more and more articles on, on watches. Today, I think uh, the media is the media to write out watches. They're doing it for one purpose only. It's not for the readers. It's for the advertising because they know that uh, the, the big advertising money is in the, in the adverts of, uh, of wristwatches. So that's why whenever they pick up a glossy magazine, in the first pages are probably of a, of a watch brand. It's because it's it's good advertised. Yeah. Sorry, that's that's truth spoken. And uh, I some I know some glossy magazines are going to swear at me. They're like, no, 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 it's not so. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> no, uh, I can relate to the to the briefing because I also worked in the in the watch industry, uh, like I told you, and. Yeah. Uh, both were internal and external as well. Uh, it was hard getting concrete briefs on what to do, uh, what to write. Um, and uh, you can spend an, a week writing and then deliver it and they say, no, this is not what we want at all. And then you have to start over. Um, so I can, I can really, really relate to the, to the issue. Yeah, you need an editor. I I think it's yeah. it's it's. I think it must be difficult once in a while to be on your own and nobody tells you whether it's good or not what you're doing. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's it's like your editor is is uh, is a mirror in front of you. The mirror tells you, oh, you you're pretty goddamn good. Everything you do is perfect. But having the editor like questions, why did you write this? Or uh, what do you mean about this? And are you sure? You shouldn't explain this further. Um, at least I, I need that, and I really appreciate again having a decent, uh, well-educated uh, editor, and not uh, just a young person employed by a media that happens to be uh, not talking to the to the writing journalists. Yeah, but uh, has your writing in particular changed from? From earlier to to now, uh, in yeah. regards to yeah, definitely more. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know, back in the days, I was extremely specific. I was very specific in, in references and uh, calibers, and you know, being super geeky because yeah. that was what I was back then. Now I know that ninety percent they they don't care and they don't know about references. Uh, talk about mechanical movements they would like to know if it's automatic or many or maybe they don't even 
Yeah. So I think it's the same thing. How did it fall in love? And why did it fall in love? And I think first you look at the watch and you think it's that's a really nice watch. Yeah. And then you read a little bit about it and you realize it's the quartz size mechanic. Is it steel? Is it white gold? Is it platinum? It's a white metal. And then how much is it? And can I, can I afford it? Yeah. So it's the eyes, it's the heart, and, and it's the wallet and that does it. Once you become interested in timepieces, you also want to know about the manufacturer, Vessel Constance, yeah. for instance, or Patek, or Rolex. Um, but during COVID, uh, you know, was a, it was the heydays of independent watch brands. So I think people who are into independent watch brands probably have a further interest in timepieces than every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Um, and because COVID closed down the retailers, but uh, the, the independent watch brands since they produce between what, 50 and what kind of watches are seeing it. They actually had direct contact with the collectors on WhatsApp. Uh, and you couldn't get a tank, you couldn't get a Rolex, you couldn't really get anything. So you started to look into H. Moser and Dolphin and Gucci and you know, the, the independent brands. And I think what, how you asked me how my writing has changed. My writing has also changed into writing more about independent brands. And the, than the normal X, Y, Z that, that people yeah. think about, you know, the, 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 the big threes, the, the Patek, the Vachon, the Audemars Piguet. And so the older I get, the, the bigger interest I have in independent watchmaking as well. Yeah. It's also been very interesting from, from a pure, now I'm not in the industry, so I'm just looking, looking into it. I'm still very interested in watches, but I've also seen the shift from a lot of content creators from the major brands to uh, independent watchmakers. Uh, it's been very interesting. And I think it's more about the, the love of watches instead of the constant flipping and Rolex chase. Yeah, that's something, definitely something changed. Um, that was also during COVID when, when yeah. uh, people started just sitting at home in front of the screens, couldn't travel couldn't celebrate the kids' birthdays. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't go out for dinner. So it was just a lot of money sitting on the count and uh, people were looking at quarter into four on auctions or everything online. And the prices just soared. I mean, it, it, was, it was madness. And, uh, and uh, of course, I was, I was influenced by that as well. And I saw someone for that. And... Um, one of them bought us a new kitchen and a bathroom on the second floor and uh, an Andro Defender. And, uh, it, it was I could I could spread the love instead of wearing a Patek. I could share the love with my family, and you know the the, the prices just went crazy. So of course, I, I saw some pieces that I bought 10, 15 years ago at very different prices, uh, and I was able to 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 share that with that family. That kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, during... of course. Now, now the prices is, is half of what it was, and yeah. and it's maybe where it should be. Uh, yeah, more. yeah, it's been regulated definitely, but yeah. people seem to think that, that again. Some articles about oh, the prices went down. Well, they didn't. 
<laughs> the prices on the secondary and the gray market went down, yeah. but the resale prices increased heavily. I mean, Rolex just increased the price between four and five percent. Uh, just Saturday, the we... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, it, it's happened overnight during yeah. New Year's Eve. And uh, and still, it's hard to get a role. I think it's one of the very few brands that is still very long waiting lists. Yeah, it's, 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 it's easier to get an AP these days. Yeah. Um, some, in, some terms of, in, in terms of getting them, in terms of pricing, not so much. They're... Yeah, in terms of getting them, I mean, I, I, I'm not quite sure that people are, I don't think they're reflecting so much on the increase of the, of the Rolex watches. It's more about you know, getting one, yeah. being able to get it from, from authorized dealers. Uh, so if, if, if the Daytona increased uh, 5% overnight uh, a few days ago, they don't really care. They just really want a Daytona. So, so it's, it's, I don't think Rolex is that affected by price increases. And at least that's in my humble opinion. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, very interesting to follow the market as well, because yeah, Rolex is a, is a very good brand and, and the watches are very good, but in terms of watch making, there are many better brands in terms of the, the insights of the watch, but uh, people still wait in line for the Rolex for years. So it's a, it's a, it, it's a marketing. Rolex is built to, a Rolex is built to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Many other brands are, are built to impress. Uh, and I think that there's a very big difference here. Um, of course, uh, when you look at Patek Philippe, I mean, they, they, they are the masters of complications. Um, Cartier is the, the king of elegance. Uh, and and I, I think, you know, Rolex is just the land rover, the, the, the purpose built, the made for purpose. And they, they have to, um, they have to withstand the, the, whatever tough situation you put them in. So I think uh, Rolex very much differentiates from, from any other watch brand actually. Yes. So I think, it, I think it's very interesting because uh, for me, uh, a lot of their watches are free and I probably going to buy a Rolex at some point. Um, but in terms of the pricing and also seeing what other brands and watch models in the same price range, what I could get, it's, so for me, it's like a day just or you almost at the Basho one fifty six at the same price. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Basho. I am for many years already. But the 56 was made uh, when Basho was struggling. They were facing hard times. So I, I if I had to choose between Datejust and uh, Automatic uh, fifty six, I would definitely go for the Datejust. Um, you don't have that special matting within no. that line of washes unless you get the complete Canada. Uh, so to me, I understand why Vachon did it, uh, but still, you know, the day just just wins on that one. Yeah. Um, 
let's uh, let's pivot a little bit. I could uh, probably sit here and talk watches all all day, um, but uh, you've now built a business, uh, uh, a name for yourself uh, in the in the industry. What's been the hardest part about the building your brand and and the business? I think again realizing that I'm working on my own again. Uh, I'm working with with, uh, with different partners. Um, I start a company with other people, but maybe once in a while, it's it's a bit OTT to be that this passionate about it because let's face it, it's still a niche industry, and when you want to build a business. You don't build a successful business from passion alone. You need the people around you that does the, the practical things, you know, the CFO and COO, etc. And, and they don't necessarily like watches. Um, so if you look at, at uh, Odinki, it's a great website. You know, Benjamin Clymer started it when he was made off in financial business. You know, he was educating himself as a journalist. He would collect little bunches of straps and, and sell them from his from his bedroom in his tiny New York apartment. I mean, that was passion. That was crazy. Yeah. That was wonderful. And then it just took off. And now NVMe, yeah. uh, they invested in the banking and they have a huge staff. And and when when times were, you know, the interest of, of a new watch was declining, we had to lay off a lot of people. And he himself, after selling a, a big lump of the, the watch to uh, to other investors, he had to come back. He couldn't just uh, spend his time playing golf. He had to come back with that Benjamin Clymer magic, which again makes Hutingi so good. So either you are that magic or you're not. And, and in between, you have a you have a troubled path of. Uh, uh, trying to make your colleagues understand the greatness of timepieces. And I think it's tough when you want to build a large company. Uh, and, and again, that, that also explains why I'm on my own again. Of course, I've worked with great people, yeah. uh, but we don't have a company together. So I think, uh, you know, being around for, for, for this long, I enjoy you know, meeting up with these people, doing a podcast with you and doing podcasts with other people. Uh, shooting some pictures for some of my colleagues or something like that, you know, being the risk model for, for my Polish friend, Lucas, something like that. I really, really enjoy it. I don't feel I interfere with uh, with whatever staff I have employed. I don't interfere with the CFO or COO or CEO of whatever company that might do. So I quite enjoy it. I think I've, I've found my, uh, my path, if you like, um, you know, I, I really enjoy my Instagram account. I really enjoy shooting pictures. Uh, I shoot more pictures than I write articles these days, <laughs> and I really appreciate it. So, yeah. my my dad taught me how to uh, how to do photography when I was a kid. So, uh, I feel every time I, I shoot a picture, I'm honoring uh, whatever my dad taught me when I was a kid. That's awesome. Um, so, the reason why you kind of chose uh the freelancer route is more it's more freedom and creative uh creative freedom as well i guess instead of being kind of building a massive company like like Odinki. 
Yeah, I was I was a I was part of the next I was co-founder of a large company, and um, the company would decide uh, where and when I needed to travel. Um, and I I appreciate deciding myself where and when to travel to, because back then with the company, of course, I couldn't travel unless there was money involved. Yeah. So I couldn't travel with a brand unless they paid a certain amount for photography or articles. That's how it worked. Uh, so now I travel whenever. For instance, next week I'm going to Geneva for four days out of my own pocket. Uh, but just to see clients and just to have a beer with them, just to be there. Yeah. Um, so it's it's all about loyalty. It's all about friendship. Um, it's not always about business. And I kind of like that when I'm on my own, I can do that. That's uh, interesting. I've talked to more and more people about, uh, they're also the, on the Norwegian podcast as well. I talked to them about their kind of work-life balance and that I kind of hate the, the work-life balance saying, but, um, everyone has their, their own balance, which is very interesting to talk about because mine could be three hours of work in. 10 hours of play and yours could be 16 hours of work and then just go to sleep and do it the next day. Hmm? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, but it's, that's, I'm, I don't think that 2024 is going to be an easy year. Oh. And, uh, I would hate to be an advertiser. Yeah. Or, um, I, 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 I would hate to, to be the one on the phone going, Hey, could you advertise my magazine calling another watch brand? <laughs> but it's going to be a super tough year then. Yeah, so I, 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 well, I, I appreciate being able to, um, to do that on my own without having to squeeze out money out of the people that I see. Oh, and, uh, also in, in our industry with being an agency and stuff, I think, uh, we're going to see a lot of consolidation more and more people are going to work together and some are going to go fully bankrupt this year i think um because it's going to be a very very interesting year to say the least i mean the, the mom and dad shops the multi-brand yeah. shops they've, 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 they've been dying uh for several years actually and, and i think that when rolex bought bookola uh it was it was to to help out Jörg Bukowak because he didn't have any kids. There was nobody to take over. And Rolex, they didn't want to see Bukowak uh, being part of a group uh, that being watches of Switzerland or a hedge fund group that would, that would purchase them. So so I think that, that uh, Rolex just came in and took them off uh, since they were the oldest partner of the brand. So I think with Rolex uh, in their back, Bukora would still survive as one of the very few multi-brand retailers. Whereas um, more and more of the brands are, are, are doing it on their own. Uh, if we take Copenhagen and also uh, Stockholm, um, Panerai has their own boutique. IWC is opening here in a few seconds. Um, Omega, Brightly, Tudor's going to open their own boutique. The multi-brand boutiques the ones not being booked on, they're having tough time. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, uh, if we also see kind of the mid tier brands being more uh, strict about where, who can distribute their watches. 
So that's also kind of hurting their bottom line. Because um, we saw Grand Seiko, for example, move from local distribution to European distribution and removing the brand from almost all the shops, in, especially in Norway and, and Sweden. Um, so it's been it's been very interesting to to see the development there. Uh, Grand Psycho is only represented at Rolex retailers here in Denmark. Yeah. So uh, I think that that that's a that's a pretty good move, uh, and they seem to be having a great success with that. To be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they're kind of thinking very far ahead. Um, but for the for the local dealers, it's very damaging for their for their bottom line because that might be their top of the line brand, and yeah. they probably sell a couple of the couple of the watches every month, and then you remove that, and then there's there is no. That's true. That is true. Uh, but I mean, I've, I've it was only recently that that I started to take a, a further interest in Grand Cycle. Yeah. Um, I visited Cycle the first time in two thousand and eight, and everything was was controlled from Japan. Yeah. And I think that that uh, Grand Cycle they did super well in being represented from France, from Paris. So with a with a European, and I think that's yeah. Um, Back in the days when Grand Seiko was introduced in the US, again, they used to think it to, to, as a platform to communicate, which already just increased the interest. And it also, you know, it put a, it put an okay verified stamp onto the brand since it was promoted by, by Hotenki. So that was, that was pretty smart. That said, the quality of a Grand Seiko is amazing and it deserves uh, the respect that seems to be increasingly getting around the world they are Europe and Europe. yeah I also saw that uh, I don't know if you follow American sports a lot but um, one of the baseball players signed the biggest athletic contract in the world ever um, okay just recently and all, on all, all of the pictures he's wearing a grand cycle which is quite funny nice which one uh, SBMG2 to one, uh, the GMC. Do you count cars as well? <laughs> I Sorry. maybe, maybe I'll see you at the casino. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. no, I, I, I didn't know that, uh, that, that the Grand Seiko actually made it into the US sports. That's, that's pretty clever. Yeah, I just saw the picture and then did the zoom, and uh, that was quite interesting. Oh. Which sport was it? Uh, baseball. Ah, so if you still call it sport, but yeah, good, good American national sports. Yeah. Um, it's always about uh, uh, spending some time in the advertising industry. Um, the industry has obviously obviously changed a lot over the years. Uh, no. But what, uh, what were your best takeaways after such a long time in the? In the marketing at the basic industry is i should my, my my girlfriend asked me yesterday we, we were watching a series and she goes oh that's really nice topography and she asked me do, do you miss 
layouting. You know, I, I once did a magazine called Time Geeks. Yeah. And I did it for 10 or 12 years. I mean, every single month, I did everything. You know, the layout, the writing, some of the photography, I did everything myself. And in the beginning, I didn't even have advertising. I just really liked layouting since I wasn't in the advertising industry no longer. But you know, I have, I have, have I had a very specific love for typography, yeah. especially. And I really enjoyed doing the Time Beach magazine. But making it in Danish, uh, at some point I had a little shy of 5,000 subscribers and I thought, you know, I, I had zero growth. Uh, you know, so that also just verified that, you know, writing about timepieces and only doing a watch related magazine, that's very niche. Yeah, so of course I could, I, I could have done it in English, but, but uh, it would have been a lot more time consuming and, and I would have to employ staff, um, in order to make it proper. So I think I, I did a pretty good job in, in, uh, in, uh, entertaining the Scandinavian audience. I had a, I had a good following from Norway and Sweden as well. Uh, and um, in the end, I had really good advertising, but I have to admit, doing everything on my own, that was pretty time-consuming with the sense of traveling that I do as well. Yeah. Um, but you sold, you were a co-owner in the advertising uh, agency? Because you talked Sorry, about selling, second. you sold the advertising agency? Yeah. Yeah, I had yeah. a tiny agency. We were about five people. And it yeah. was bought by a, by a larger company in 2005. So you have what you would know as a garden leave. So for six months, I couldn't do anything. So I was just, I would, that was when I just considered, you know, maybe I should just write about watches and that's it. And of course, with, with one, one book already, uh, sold out and then, uh, I thought, well, why not just keep on doing that? That was fun. I liked that. Make me happy. Um. Do you remember what the best marketing campaign or marketing hack you did back then? That I did? Yeah. Um, oh, I did oh, one of these eraser tool. Yeah. If you did, if you, you, like you would write something, you would erase it. And uh, I, I just did this super super simple advert um, with a uh, Bill Clinton quote. Uh, I did space have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Levinsky. And then, of course, it was an advertising for this little eraser tour. Uh, and I won a bunch of awards on the, on that campaign. But that actually, uh, noting, noting to you, the, the, the Second uh, of this advert was a picture of the Norwegian flag, and then I believe a picture of the Danish flag, and again a picture of that eraser tool. So I didn't even have text. It was just I really liked. I I also did um, I sort did a series of campaigns for Pioneer um, uh, Castorios. So one of the pictures was just uh, tire marks on two doors. Just lying on the, on the road, <laughs> and then there's just a picture of um, car stereo speakers, and then pioneer. And so I, I guess I liked. I, I really enjoyed you know very simple uh, advertising when I was when I was in that world. But I have to admit, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. And here's another regret: when I moved into the house that I live in now, 
threw out all my awards, all my diplomas, all my awards that I won during my my time in Everton. I really regret that now. Uh, but I thought, you know, living with uh, my girlfriends and uh, all the kids and the dogs and stuff like that, there's no room to advertise your winnings like that. So they went into the bin. And that's a stupid thing to, to, to do. That's like, you know, never ever sell your children's Lego. Never. You'll regret uh, it. Keep, keep that on the shelf. Yeah. Keep the Lego. Um, so uh, that's kind of interesting. I, I'm in the advertising industry and um, the kind of art of um, the graphic in the, in the easy type of copy has kind of been a bit lost uh, the last couple of years because we optimize for for Facebook ad clicks and Google ad clicks and and it's it, it's we do what works but the creativity has been lost on on a lot of uh, platforms and, and a lot of campaigns so it's cool to hear kind of the the eraser tool and the the pioneer uh and it's it sparks something in uh, in me yeah it's, it's that was back when print was big we, yeah. we don't have prints i mean this morning i met with an author and she needed some info on watch it because it's part of a story so she's doing <sighs> a series of crime books uh and and basically she was just doing her research and she was obviously very thorough. And I asked her, so, so how are you guys doing? She goes, ah, it's really tough. It's really, really tough um, being an author uh, if you're not a big, big man. Um, and, you know, I've, I've published eight books myself. Uh, four of them are published in the, without a publishing house. Again, because I thought you know, the publishing houses were super greedy. And if you divide it in the the work that you put into a book, it just didn't make any sense at all. So I, I just I wrote everything myself, layouted everything, published everything, just drove around uh, with boxes of my books when I was doing speaks. Um, I would bring the books, so, you know, it just made it a lot easier. So I, I can't say that you know, the, the, the book business is doing that. But of course, I wasn't looking around where I am. Actually, right now, like a public library, so let's say books right now. And but the bookstores are fine. Yeah. All right. That said, you know, when I had trouble coming up with my eighth book on Russian because of one guy, Matt Honey, when he came out with a man and his watch, yeah. it just completely paralyzed me because it's the best book ever written on Russian. By a guy at that point was not a watch guy. He just realized that the important thing is the storage behind the watches. All the books coming out uh, on watch is his official press photo. Yeah. Um, basically, you, you, could, you can tell that every chapter is just copy pasting whatever press release, and then uh, you could seeing it, and then you have a chapter. There's no personality and most of the books coming out, the writers have never even seen the watches, never even had them on their wrists. But 
they want to publish a book on watchlist, then press them, there you have it. And I think that what Matt Hanek did, you know, the own pictures of every watch in there and their personal stories just make a perfect book. So I realized, of course, I was doing a completely different book. Uh, so I finally published it, but my whole work is dedicated to Matt. Uh, and uh, Matt and I, we've known each other for a few years. And uh, last year we met him, he was in Denmark with his wife. And we just exchanged books and was like, fucking asshole, you paralyzed me. <laughs> Couldn't even put, put, my, put my pen to the paper. We just had a nap. And of course, Negroni. So uh, good Matt. We're good Matt. And we're more fun. He's a really good guy. Pretty creative. Yeah. Talking creativity. Very great. No, uh, I actually have that book. Um my name is watch and it's uh, it's a storytelling and and of course the photos and everything is is very very good as they should be in a <laughs> in a watch book um exactly. but it, it's it, it's also um the point you made about which type of photos and also which kind of watches are in the book because uh, it's it's not the newest uh, edition it's not refined it's real watch there's no there's no polishing the photo photo so it, it's it's very cool and and it's so pretty uh i'm scared to open it <laughs> have you read uh joel henrik's book that he came out just before christmas uh no uh because i'm traveling around europe so i haven't been in in norway so yeah okay i i haven't read it but of course i've, I've known uh, Joel Henrik for quite a quite a long time and he told me yeah. about the book and what I really like about this book, at least what he told me is those are very personal, uh, I picked yeah. very personal watch. And he says, not commercial, not at all. He didn't write a commercial book. He wrote it, uh, from his own experience. Yeah. And I appreciate that a lot. He's, yeah. he's not a newcomer. He's been in the industry for many years. So he actually yeah, yeah. knows what he's writing about. I appreciate yeah. that a lot. So oh, I can't wait I, to get I, my I, hands on it. Yeah, I'm I'm going uh, to Norway uh, in two days, um, so I'm probably gonna either talk to him or pick the book up uh, at some point. I had him um, had him on the Norwegian podcast uh, last year, so I've been working with him when I was uh, working in, in watches as well. So good guy and very yeah, cool to very see him pu pu publish the book. Yeah, we should do all. We should do a whole series of these. He knows what he's talking uh, about. Yeah. Um, but when you talk about self-publishing, um, do you, yes, you bring the book to your talks and stuff and, and then you publish it on Instagram and it's just through your website and then you send it out or how do you yeah. kind of get mass produced? You can, uh, you can, uh, you can buy it on my, uh, in my web shop. Um, but you have to imagine that the more speaks I do. Yeah. The more books I sell, uh, and the more books I publish, the more speaks I'm booked. So it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a train yeah. that, uh, that breathes itself. Uh, so it creates, it creates itself. So of course I have to do another book and hopefully I can, I can publish uh, later on this year. Um, but I'm not, you're not, you're not becoming a billionaire writing a book. Uh, but I, since, you know, my, my, my most recent three books, a series of, uh, three called as tattoo watchers is my own photography. So, um, 
my own words, my own photography, my own layout, my own publishing. I mean, you, you can't get a whole person book. Uh, so yeah. that has been fun. I think I have 50, 50 copies left. And um, the speaks I'm doing uh, uh, this month, they're, they're kind of just going to empty the, the back book that I have. So I'm, at, I'm actually in a hurry to publish a new book. Um, yeah, because that's kind of interesting. So you, when the book is sold out, it's actually sold out. You can't get it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't read print. I did it on my very first book because it came yeah. out really fast. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do whatever that hashtag is. That's, that's kind of cool also because if you actually have it, you're, you're very interested in, in what you and the watches and actually reading about them well I, I think it's it's a matter of um, I would rather want people to want my next book yeah. than waiting for a reprint of a book I've done yesterday mm -hmm. that's, good. that's a good point Keep you keeps you relevant as well yeah exactly Um, so, uh, you've been freelancing for, yeah, 20, 20 years. So I'm going to move. Yeah. In the 2005. Yeah. Um, what's, uh, your best advice to people just starting out or wanting to, to freelance or write? Wow. Uh, um, make sure you have a little money in your bank. Uh, because you, it's, it's while you're, while you are writing the book, you're not making money at all. If, if you're doing through a publishing house, you get an advance, you know, for bread and butter while you run you at the keyboard, right? But, but, uh, I mean, you need to have, <laughs> you need to have this book in your head. Um, and your head needs to be almost bursting. Uh, in order to get it onto paper, if you like. So I think um, Matt Hanek, when he did it, a man in his watch, he went to publishing house and they thought it was such a bad idea. Uh, and I think, um, you know, if you go to a publishing house, you will get a lot of no's because if you can't sell uh, 10,000 copies, they, they don't want to touch you. There's no, because they're there for the money. They're there for nothing else but money. If they don't care how smart and clever you think your idea is, uh, and then of course you can self-publish. You can also sell them at the bookstores. Just make sure that you have enough, you know, that you have a car that can drive around the world a couple of times because you have to hand deliver yourself. Um, but it's also really nice that some of the, the bookstores they actually believe in you. Yeah. But like, I, I like that. You know, you leave a you leave a reading copy with them, record with them over the top. Like I like that. Can I buy ten? Of course, ten is just ridiculously low number. But at least they're taking you in, and and that yeah. feels so good. It feels so good. But I think it's like being a record a recording artist. Um, the first album, you just go crazy on on a high. And you go, wow, this is fucking amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> and you don't realize that, you know, the record companies just pumping money into their own pockets. 
and, and until they realize, you know, oh, we have still a success, we would need you to do a record number two. Realize it's, it's tough and you're not, you're not going to be rich. The label company still owes you. You can't do anything. So doing everything on your own is super tough, but it's also super rewarding. Oh, and also, uh, I think at, at some level it's easier to kind of succeed at, at freelancing writing now, because you have different platforms and you have a more established internet that, than earlier. Um, but also there's a lot more people as well. So there's more competition. So I, what's, what's your thoughts? Is yeah, was it thought... easier back then or, mm. or now? No, not it's a lot. It's, I'm not saying it's easier now. Um, it would be super easy if, if every single follower on my Instagram account they would buy a book, but they don't. Uh, I've, I've been on Instagram since 2012, and uh, I have a little bit above over 151,000. That's a that's a big following uh, on yeah. each product, but. Still, when I advertise the book, I sell ten copies, so and like that. So you know, it's it's still slow. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter, and also because you know, people have small flats, they don't have bookshelves. It's it's really really strange if you look at it. I mean, the bookshelf today is called Bini, and it's from IKEA, uh, and that, that that's that, that's a bookshelf. And when, uh, again. The, the bookstores are fewer and fewer, and you don't see a lot of them. Except you go to nothing, you see expensive yeah. bookstores, and it's really rewarding to to walk around and see all the bookstores in the UK. Oh, but people they like screens, and like um, to listen to books instead. And, and I don't know if anybody would listen to a watch-related book because they can't see the pictures. And I think that's still the lot of doing the. Yeah. People can watch this. It's full of pictures. Yeah, I looked on. I actually, I did this a couple of months ago. Just went on Audible for look to to look for books on watches, just to see if there is any. Because as you say, it's mostly visual, and then there are maybe two two audiobooks on watches, and they have zero ratings. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still still very visual visual niche. Yeah, yeah, still infant infant uh, footprints going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, just a couple of uh, kind of fun questions to to round it off. Uh, if you had to delete all but three apps from your phone, which are you keeping? I'm keeping Instagram. Uh, I'm keeping weather forecasts, and I'm keeping that. <laughs> That's such a Nordic answer. I I I have to keep all the the. Um, all the apps, all the um, flight companies, I have to keep them. I mean, I, I, I so they have to be one. That's a folder. Yeah, okay. This group of that folder. I mean, that'll be, that'll be all, all, all the flights. Otherwise, I could like that would be impossible. So I, I would keep that. The three. Yeah. Um, who are your role models and why? My role models. I mean, I, I, I've always been a huge fan of John Malkovich, but I don't know if he's a role model, but 
he influenced me to buy a, an IWC big pilot bag in the days because I think he's a cool guy and I saw him on a German talk show. And he was wearing a big pilot, you know, on, on top of my crisp white shirt. <laughs> God, that's so cool. So if you are influenced by role models, I think John Malkovich is one of the guys. And uh, what is the beauty of business for you? Again. Uh, what is the beauty? What did you? I mean, the the, the beauty of, of 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 my business is freedom. Yeah, uh, I, w I would say. Yeah. I mean, you know, my my girlfriend sees when she, she works in, she works in advertising. Yeah, and she's so annoyed uh, because I lay in bed a lot later than she does. As it goes, and when when she when she leaves the uh, leaves the house, and I'm out with the dog, she was like. Jesus Christ, you lay in bed and you make money. Sometimes I do, yes. <laughs> so I don't have to bike through the cold snow um, uh, to go to our advertising agencies. But again, I've, I've, done, I've done the agencies, I've, did, I've done offices. Um, yeah. You know, when I'm not when I'm not traveling, you know, I, I, I book a photo studio and I work from there. Um, or today I'm, I'm at the public library because I have, fin I have to finish an article. Um, and I like telling you the coffee is really good. It's just around the corner from that. Oh, uh, I would agree. Um, like I said, I'm, uh, the last three months I'm just traveling through, through Europe. Um, and it's, mm. uh, it's been really nice. Uh, and, uh, seeing, uh, in in Norway now, I think it snowed sixty to eighty centimeters in a one day. Uh, so yeah. it's not very tempting to go back home, unless you like skiing. I prefer uh, sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, me too. Actually, to be quite honest. Awesome. Um, where can people find you uh, if they want to buy your book, uh, follow you, uh, Instagram, uh, your website? Uh, my website is christianhagen.com. Uh, so that's pretty easy. Uh, Instagram, Christian Hagen. Uh, that's, it's, I'm, I'm very easy to find. Yeah. Um, I'll of course, link, uh, link everything in the show notes and the bio on YouTube and, uh, Thanks. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for doing this. It's been a pleasure. That's great. It was a pleasure. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, I'm, I, I must apologize if I said something bad about media as an advertisement and stuff like that. But I don't think don't in my age I have to cover anything up. The truth is out there anyway, right? <laughs> All warranted. All right, my man. Thank you so much for, uh, for this time, honestly, time. And uh, be good and happy new year. There's not a man that I fear. There's nobody here that can stop me. Cause I'm in a league of my own care. Y'all can just sit back and watch me. They know who I am, they can't imitate. Don't stay in your lane, I'ma set it straight. I'm putting my way to the top. You get in my way, you know you can't stop me. Come running through. I'm untouchable.